We are going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I did want to start this morning, though, by just referencing this passage. And we've already been here a few times, so I don't think you need to turn there. But I want to reference this morning's passage with a segue from John chapter 14, where we simply have the very first verse of that passage, which says, Let not your heart be troubled. And all God's people said, let not your heart be troubled. It goes on to say, you believe in God, believe also in me. And the purpose of that passage, as we read out in that passage, is the Lord giving his disciples comfort in their place of belonging in him personally, and their sense of God having a plan and able to work out his plan without fail. So that, literally, in your life, you can walk through, navigate this world without letting your heart be troubled, without letting yourself be dismayed, without letting yourself, as we would understand another pretty doctrinally significant word, letting, not letting ourselves be anxious. Um, so this morning, my hope is that whatever is going on in the world around you, and it's hard right here in this room, in this day and age, we have our cell phones, we have news ever before us, and what a blessing that is, and uh, we have the ability at any point to be distracted with a message from here and a message from there, and I would encourage us to be encouraged today with a message from this, and uh, let's not let our hearts be troubled. God is a good God, and God does have a plan, and it is true for believers in particular that we can have a sense of peace no matter what happens in our lives. Amen? It doesn't mean that it's easy. There are people who struggle with, and are struggling today, with very significant things. But as believers, we have the ability and the call of God to come to Him and let our requests be made known unto Him, to cast our cares upon Him. And what a blessing that is. It doesn't mean that life's not scary at times, but we can give it to him and give it to him and give it to him and keep giving it to him. So this morning, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It is going to be a slow walk through this passage uh, as it has been to this point because there are many truths that God would give us by doing Bible study in this, and much of our preaching time is not me so much really preaching to you as it is trying to give us a full counsel or hopefully a broader counsel of the Word of God on the truths that we see. So, we started with uh, John chapter 14, but in 1 Thessalonians 5, I think you have another uh, truth that's found partly in John 14.1. But a truth that God would want us to know. Let's step back one verse to the last verse of John, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's read that one verse out, out loud together, 1 Thessalonians 4, and verse 18. Would you read that out loud with me? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The words that we are to be comforting each other with is comforting or encouraging each other with a sovereign God who has given us a plan of salvation through the resurrected Savior, and he's promised us that know him, he's promised a resurrection unto life. 
that we will be with him forever. If we were to read further in John 14, we would be reading how he went to prepare a place for us, that where he is, we would be also in his father's house or many mansions. And if it were not so, he would have told us. So all of this is to encourage us that we have a place of belonging in Christ. And that place of belonging is that he wants us with him. Now, this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, 5 transitions. So don't be discouraged over what's in front of you. God's got a plan, and the plan is the resurrection. For those that are saved, the plan is that you are going to be resurrected unto life. So if he comes for us, we will be caught up in the clouds to meet him in the air. If we die, we're going to be uh, absent from the body but present with the Lord. But the Lord is promising to come again. He's going to rapture his church, and we are all going to be with him forever in his presence. That's, that's the encouraging news for all believers. So that ought to guide and shape how we think about coronavirus, how we think about racism, how we think about politics, how we think about uh, Pelosi, Biden, Trump, Dr. Felci, or whoever else. It ought, to, it ought to shape all that we're facing in this world. We are a people who are comforted because we are a people of hope, hope that is based on the sure promises of God. Okay? That's who we are. Right? Now, chapter 5 and verse 1, there is a transition here that says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. He goes on to say, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So I doubt we'll get any further than these two verses because I want to unfold some things here in this transition. So, but of the times and the seasons. The times and the seasons refer to at least these things. It is an observation of God's timetable. So what we note in chapter 5 is that God has a timetable. Amen? So he's got a timetable. And God is actively working that timetable. We already took time to encourage ourselves over this fact. There is one meeting in your life that you will not be late for. And that one meeting is either when God takes you to go to be with him or the Lord comes back and calls you to be in his presence. At that time, whatever that time is, you will not be late. You will not be early. You will be on time and you will show up because God will make you. Amen. Amen to that. Okay? So we reference here, though, that God is at work in our time and in our history. And so he says of the times and seasons. And what it reminds us of is this simple truth, that God has a timetable and that God is not mindlessly unaware of what's going on in the world and what he is accomplishing or trying to accomplish. And furthermore, that God is not thwarted by the affairs of the world or the affairs of man to somehow thwart the mighty hand of God in his time. So we observe that God has a timetable. We also have an observation of this, of our place in that timetable, that God has in mind our place in that timetable. I don't know if you've ever wished that you could live at a different time in history. I don't know if you've ever thought about that kind of thing. Uh, and I think especially as trouble arises, uh, sometimes we wish we could be out of this time of history and into a different place. But I want to assure us of this fact, of the times and the seasons tells us this. 
that there is a time and there is a season and that God has you perfectly where he wants you in this time and this season. And, and he has that for every generation that walks this planet. Now, the importance of that this morning is you and I have a stewardship that God has entrusted to us of the truths and the doctrines of the word of God in this time and in this season. Here in this place, this time today, you are the saints that God has called to walk this planet. Have you caught that? That you are the saints that God has entrusted to be on this planet, to be the feet on the ground, to be the stewards of the truths of God's word. No matter, no matter what is going on, you have been entrusted as a steward, as a child of God, with this time and this season to be the Christian, the representation of God that God wants you to be. This is your time. Hello? It's your time. I had somebody reference to this to me yesterday. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what God's got for me. I don't know either, but he certainly has something here. If he had not had something for you here at this time, he would have taken you home. But that is not the case. You are here for a purpose. And I don't care what your age is this morning, whether it's the kids in the junior church or nursery or whether it's the people sitting in this room, God has something for you. And I would say this, it's important to realize the importance of who you are, not because of your individuality, but be, excuse me, but because of Christ in you. And Christ in you at this time is really important. This world needs to see Jesus Christ. This world needs to know what the love of God looks like. And you're the one who's walking out in, out of this room, out of this place, into your communities. Some of you are new to the area. Some of you are passing through this area. Wherever you are, God has a plan for your life. And here's what I love about that. You ever feel like you make mistakes? Me either. <laughs> you ever feel like maybe you blew it? That maybe, you, you know, you made some choices here. You made some choices here. It really altered or thwarted or messed up your life. You know, here's the thing. God is big enough even to use those things to accomplish his will. So you can have peace this morning in the times and the seasons to know that God has you right where he wants you and he's trying to use you. But now, by the way, listen, again, I did not say all of it was easy. Anybody here have something in your life that you wish was different? Do you have something in your life that you wish was taken away? I wish I didn't have to deal with this. I wish I didn't have to deal with Listen, God uses even those things to work in your life to accomplish his will. He does. And we scratch our heads and we wonder, but how in the world can God use this? Listen, God, praise to his name, is bigger than us. And he knows what he is doing. But of the times and seasons, there is this last thing I want to say, and that is being able to discern the season is something that God wants us to have the wisdom to do. You with me? That God expects that we would be able to discern the time and the season. So, I guess one way to ask that is, do you know what time it is? Do you know what season you are in? You recognize there is some rebuke, rebuke of God in 
Matthew chapter 16. You can go there. There's some rebuke of God for those that were not able to discern the times in the season. What season are we in right now? The literal sense. What season are we in? What's, what, what other name might you give this time of season? Well, I would say we are getting very close to the dog days of summer. And what I mean by that is in Idaho, this particular part of Idaho, if I don't have it wrong, uh, the rest of you have experienced this with me over the last 25 years. What I've, what I've come to know is come August, come August in Idaho, in our little bit of higher elevation, high desert, we're going to experience typically maybe a couple weeks of over 100 degrees. The blessing is here that God gives us shade where it drops like 30 degrees. I don't know. It's not that much. But we, we get those cool evenings. But right now, it's, it's hot. So my kids will tell you, I, and, and forgive me, it's, maybe I should ask my kids to forgive me. There, have you ever been in this place where you are sensing the temperature and everybody else around you isn't? And they're all wrong? Okay? So in my house... In my house, there are, there are individuals in my house that will get up, and I understand wearing a jacket in the morning, because in Idaho, you know, you open your windows at night, it can be cool, right? So you get up, and then maybe it's dropped down to the 60s, praise God for that, another reason to move here. Um, um, <laughs> amen, another reason to move here. Um, but as the day wears on, I mean, now it's, now it's moving up to 20 and 30 degrees. It's after lunchtime. It's now afternoon, and I look at, I've been outside, and maybe I've mowed the grass, whatever. I come in, and I will see some individuals in my home wearing a jacket. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Get that jacket off. You're making me hot. You know, it's like, the, why, why do we say things like, because we understand the season. There's a way to dress for the season. And we understand in the world around us the changing of the times. We'll see We'll see the leaves change. We'll see the snow come. We'll just sense the temperature. We've, and, and we adjust because we can understand. Did you know that God expects us, us to know the times and the seasons spiritually of what God is doing? And so he says in this verse, but of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. We're going to get into that in a second. But in Matthew chapter 16, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees, verse 1, came and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Now, obviously, he's talking here about the times of the Messiah coming. But the point is, the scriptures indicate, and in this passage as well, that God holds his people to an expectation that you would be able to see what's going on in the world and recognize what time it is and what you and I need to do about it. Okay? So God wants you to know what time it is and what you and I need to know about it. Now he says, you have no need that I write unto you. Now before I delve into this, I'm just going to ask you, do you have a sense in the world of what season it is spiritually? Are you getting a sense of what season we are in? Hello? Do you sense that there's a season that God has at hand and that there's a changing that God is doing and a changing that God is working? Do you have that sense? Well, 
doctrinally, we're going to see further that there's every reason we should begin to sense that. Now, he says, you have no need that I write unto you, but I would ask, why does Paul say here, you have no need that I write unto you? And there are three things here. First of all, you have, in Scripture, been given all you need to know for now. You have, in Scripture, all you need to know for now. And what he's saying here, secondly, is you have already been taught these things. You've already been taught the things regarding the seasons so that you would be able to identify clearly what God is doing and what we need to do about it, how we can respond appropriately to the season in which we live. Okay? So my question for you is are you responding appropriately, appropriately to the season that God has called you to? Are you walking on this planet appropriately with the season or in season with what God has called you to? So you don't need me, he says, that I write unto you about this because, first of all, you've already been taught or you already have the scriptures. You've already been taught, and I like what one commentary said. Those who are watching and ready don't need to be told a time or hour. Those who are watching and ready don't need to be told a time or hour because they are watching and they are ready. Now, we're going to explore that concept more in the days ahead, but the idea of watching is not simply that you're looking, but you are reacting appropriately to the season, that you are watching and identifying what season we are in, and we are, we are responding appropriately to the season to which we've been called. So are you recognizing the season? Are you aware of what God has told us about the season? And are we, to use the metaphor, are we dressed appropriately to the season? Are we behaving appropriately to the season? All right. Now, as a reminder, we would draw back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Don't worry, just for a moment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 8 forward. For from you sounded out, talking about their testimony, for from you sounded out, you Thessalonians, the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye, re how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And what? Read verse 10 out loud with me. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And all God's people said. So there was already a teaching to the Thessalonian believers to watch and to wait for the son of heaven to return. And it was impacting their lives as it was supposed to do. So this teaching was already there. Now, discerning the times and the seasons, I am going to depart here <coughs> for a moment from 1 Thessalonians 
and I'm going to do some cross-study in other passages. So I'd like you to take your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. The Lord has already answered the question of his coming or of his timing and his plan. We were actually, I think just last week, in this passage. Okay, so Acts chapter 1, the Lord has already answered the question of his timing and his plan. Acts chapter 1. Verses 6 through 8. When they therefore came to come to, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel, which was every hope and expectation they had of the Messiah? Would he restore Israel? Would he accomplish what? His timing, his season, his plan, his promises. Would he do that? And he said unto them, verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. He goes on from there to say this, a very well-known verse. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now the interesting thing here, he says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, but he's not saying that holistically as if I don't want you to know what's coming because he gave us so much information. But specifically regarding the timing of setting up the kingdom, the timing of what he would do on this earth, that was within his knowledge, the plan of God. And they, he, he quickly takes them from that. And he helps them to recognize what he's called them to presently. And what does he call them to? He diverts their question. So they say, Will you restore your kingdom, Israel? And he says, that's not for you to know the exact timing of when I'm going to do that, my paraphrase. But then he says this in verse 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what? You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, their local area, Judea, their broad area, Samaria, the, and then further, the uttermost part of the earth. So what the Lord directs them to is an appropriate response to the season. An appropriate response to their time and their place in history. What is that appropriate response to their time and place in history? What is it? How would you say it? Well, I would say it this way. Speak Jesus. Declare Jesus. You, you in this room, you are witnesses of the risen King of Kings. You are risen of the great God I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the resurrected Savior. You are his witnesses. And the charge that was given to his disciples is given to us, and he directs us to understand the time to which we're called. The time to which we are called is to understand that we have a job to do in the season that God has called us to, and that God is working that plan. He goes further. He does this again in Acts chapter 2. So he answers their question, and he directs them to be about his business. This happens again in the next chapter, Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. This is Peter's message at Pentecost. Peter, in verse 14, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. 
For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, talking about the Holy Ghost descending upon them and speaking in foreign languages the gospel. He says, verse 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The point of this passage is to draw to point in Peter's message that God has a time. God has a season that he's accomplishing what he's accomplishing. And from that message... He was saying that the prophecies of Jesus should have been easily understood. The prophecies of his coming should have been easily noted, should have been easily understood, and then there should have been an appropriate response. And what is that appropriate response? Speak Jesus, know Jesus. Speak Jesus to a lost and dying world, and for that lost and dying world to come to know that great Savior, Jesus Christ. And it shall come to pass, verse 21, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. So listen, there is a lot going on in the world with fear over the coronavirus, and we've said it many times already. If there is one thing we know, the scriptures teach, it is appointed unto man, what? Say it again, it is appointed unto man, what? And after this, there is an appointment that we have to meet that great God of all. We either know him as our savior or as our judge, and that is exactly what the world is experiencing right now. It is no wonder that all the principalities and powers and spiritual uh, warfare that's going on, that that message is going to be subdued. And by the way, if there's anything that I've noted as a pastor regarding coronavirus, is that the ministry has been subdued. There are missionaries who are off the field. Matter of fact, the nature of the day, I was having this conversation this week, uh, and that is this. I believe that today it is more and more difficult to go walk up to a stranger and just start a conversation. Do you agree? People have masks and people are distancing and, and all this has an effect upon the gospel. And I'm telling you, I, I had this conversation with Pastor Phil this week, and we were saying, we've got to find a way. We've got to find a way to speak Christ. We've got to find a way to minister in the day in which we're called and not just look for his coming, not just know that he's coming, but be about the ministry and work of God in this season. Now, interesting, in Acts chapter 2, Paul preaches this, or Peter preaches this message, and at the end of this message, or in the midst of this message, he says, here's what you need to do. Know Christ. Know who he is. So my question comes back to you. Do you know the signs of the times? Are you seeing the changing of the time? It has been noted in this generation more than anything. Now, by the way, I think every generation is a little bit, uh, if I'm using the right word, myopic, that may not be the right word, self-absorbed. So that probably every generation thinks, Nobody's ever seen this before. But if there's anything true about our generation, most of us are understanding that we've not seen this kind of thing before. 
It's left many of us scratching our heads and wondering what's going on and what do we do with it. So I want to anchor us then in a few things before we transition to chapter 2. And I'm going to say that we've already partly transitioned. And the part of that transition is going to come up further as we begin a study on the day of the Lord. We'll come to that in just a moment. But I'd like to reference a few things that we understand about Scripture and understanding the times. So 2 Timothy 3, verses 12 through 14, you can turn there if you like. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 12 through 14. You've got your Bibles there. Would you read out loud with me? 2 3, 12 through 14. 2 Timothy 3, beginning of verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. The admonition of this passage is to understand the times. Part of understanding the times is so that we will not be alarmed when we see it coming. Amen? Hello? So that we will not be taken aback and go, oh, what's going on? Oh, what's going on? And to begin to act like, as the Bible would say, the Gentiles do or unbelievers where we would say, we're without hope and we're without direction, we're without instruction. You and I are not without instruction. You and I have been given the instructions from God that help us identify the time, understand it, and not be dismayed. So listen, if you and I are going to be dismayed, if and when Joe Biden becomes president... then our faith is small. If you and I are going to find great hope in America because President Trump is re-elected, our spiritual, un I appreciate that, our understanding spiritually is small. Listen, there's, <laughs> I going to distract me, okay? Uh, I'm going to turn into a Trump rally. The great hope of this world is Who? The great hope of this world is Jesus. We need the Lord more than ever, and we've got to be anchored in Him. So that when we see the world tossed and see the world in dismay, you will not lose the anchor of your foundation, but you will be a peace-filled joy-filled, focused believer, understanding that God has called you to a time such as this to magnify Him. And I'm not just talking about walking through the planet behaving. A lot can be said about believers behaving today, but that we would magnify Him. This Next passage will likely be the last passage that we'll be able to go to this morning, 2 Peter chapter 3, understanding the times, <clears throat> understanding the times, referencing again 
this message of First Thessalonians chapter 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Why? Because instruction had already been given. Second Peter chapter 3 is further instruction of what the Lord tells us is coming. Second Peter 3 verse 1, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, remembering the doctrines that had been entrusted to them already, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And by the way, all that to say, look, search the scriptures. You want to know what God is doing? Look to the word. Knowing this, knowing this first in verse 3, that there shall come in the last days, what? And what will they be doing? So they're going to be scoffers, and what are they doing? Walking after their own what? And what does that mean? What will the world be consumed with in the days ahead? It'll be consumed with at least these two aspects. Mocking the truths of the Word of God and every man trying to get what they can. Everyone trying to take advantage of another to get what I want. And you want to know what politics is and politics are? It is so much the... One group saying, I'm going to do this for you, and this other group saying, I'm going to do this for you, and it's all about what I'm going to do for you, and deciding which one is going to give me what I want. Our world is consumed with this right now. Verse 4 says, further, there will be this kind of an attitude going on and saying, where is the promise of his coming? There are churches that are teaching, my understanding is in this valley, one of the largest churches in this valley teaches that we are presently in the millennial reign. There are many saying that Christ had already come and we're experiencing the millennial reign now. And what you're going to see in this passage and others is that there's this kind of doctrine, that kind of doctrine, that kind of doctrine that deviates you from the clear teachings of the Word of God. So where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep or died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly, hello, willingly are ignorant of. And what you have that here, there is something that we ought to recognize in this day and era. Have you ever found a place on the, in time and history where Truth simply didn't matter. Let me say it differently. Is there ever a generation quite like our own that would say, don't bother me with the facts? Where we're living today is you got your facts, you got your facts, I got my facts, and we don't agree, and that makes us enemies because I got my wants, you got your wants, you got your wants, and of course I'm right, you're wrong. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water, what? 
Now, the passage says they are willingly ignorant of this. In other words, have made a decision. I do not choose to believe these things. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, in other words, by the same promises that made that happen, by that same authority, are kept in store for what? Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. If the world thinks that the greatest threat that you have on the planet is that we are somehow going to experience global warming, which all of a sudden has a rise every year around August. (laughs) If we think that man has it within his power and authority to destroy this planet, you are grossly deceived and woefully embellished in your view of yourself For even if man could destroy this planet, he will not because God has a plan. And it's not going to happen because somebody's got a finger on a trigger and somebody's going to push a nuclear bomb or somehow there's going to be diesel trucks or, oh, have mercy, trucks, oh, trucks. And, and, you know, bad things. And, and, you know, to save the planet, you need to go hug a tree. What kind of delusional power do you think you have when you stand in the face of an almighty God who has a plan? And an almighty God is not going to be thwarted because you've got some puny plan. The great sovereign of all has always been the sovereign of all and always will be. In man's efforts, God laughs when man raises his puny fist in the face of God and says, I will. The great king of kings is sovereign over all, and he will do all his holy will. What verse I leave off on? (laughs) I think I'm at seven. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved into fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. I'm going to say it this way, and I'll get back into the verse. God's bigger than you. He's bigger than me. He's mightier than us. And this verse helps us to know it. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a what? And a thousand years as one day. The Lord, hello, is not slack concerning his promise. Another way of understanding this verse is the Lord is not slack in fulfilling what he says he will do. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But of the day, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Do you know what season it is? Are you dressed appropriately to the season? Are you behaving appropriately to the season to which you are called? Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting 
unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth, praise God, righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is what? The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, Brethren, ye have no need that I write these things unto you, because you already have the message of the Word of God. You already have the indicators of the signs of the times. You already know the plan of God. You already know what he's called you to. Be about the business of God. Be about what he's called you to. Rise to the calling of God in this generation and in this time. Now, I, I'm not delusional. I'm going to preach this message, and you're going to go home. And at some point, you might get back on Facebook, and you might get back on the news you're going to be tempted to be overwhelmed, discouraged, and distracted. By the way, don't get me wrong on this. I'm going to say something. Don't get me wrong. Part of my conversation with Monty, anyone, anyone want to guess what Monty and I have been talking about? What are, there's a very specific thing, very specific thing we've been talking about. Masks. Masks. And I've got to tell you, folks, I told Monty, I said, look, I just want the truth, and it seems impossible to get. And the moment you think you've got it, somebody changes their mind. And I told him, I said, look, I, and I sent him story after story after story that our people are sending me. I said, I'm sorting through these. And I said, I feel an obligation to sort through them because our people are dealing with them. They want to know. And we as a church have a response to these things, and we should. We ask the question, what's the right thing to do? Behave in a manner that is appropriate to the Scriptures and magnify God is our goal. But begging God for wisdom along the way. Begging God to help us to know what the right thing to do would be. But I want to tell you, Part of the burden that I'm feeling is that we're so caught up with this stuff that is demanding our attention. It's not illegitimate. It is demanding your attention. I get it. But I also think it's taking our attention away some things, from some things that we need to be doing. And we as a church have got to really beg God to help us be focused. How are we going to be about the gospel now? How are we going to impact this world for Christ and not just whether we should wear a mask or not? Not whether we just landed on the right side of this or not, but how in the world did this church magnify Christ? I'm going to tell you too, I don't know what God's going to do, but this church is his, and we simply want to live surrendered to him, and I do not know what the days ahead have for us except for this. God is working his plan, and he's called us to such a time and a place as this. Let's speak 
who Jesus is. Now, we'll see in the weeks ahead further in verse 2 what this means for us and the warning because there is definitely a change. In chapter 4, it's encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. And after that encouragement, there is a great awakening of the warnings of God. This message title has been under the banner of understanding what God has called us to, living in a way that is watching and waiting, but behaving as Christians should behave knowing the times. So the simple title of this chapter 5 moving forward is Christian Behavior in the season that God has called us to. So this morning, in this room or online, there may be people watching who are not saved. Of any day that you need to be prepared to know the Lord, this would be the day. If any time in society where you don't know if you've got coronavirus, you don't know if you're going to die, you don't know what's ahead of you, you need to know Jesus. And the promise of Jesus is if you will come to him in faith, he will save your soul. He'll wash all your sins away and give you a place in heaven. But believer, we also know what God has called us to while we yet remain on this planet. So humbly, begging God for wisdom, may each one of us come to him and say, Lord, how do you want me to represent you in the time that I have? How do you want me to speak you with the deficiencies I have? How do you want me to represent you and to magnify you with the limitations I have? Lord, help me speak who you are. Let's not lose sight of what God has called us to.